Hey there, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, the Habs come away with a 5-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of good stuff from a lot of young players once again. Is Owen Beck going to be snubbed by Hockey Canada regardless of his age? And I'm going to do a little bit of a check-in with the Rockets, and so many of you have asked about what's going on with the team this season. All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 723 of Lockdown Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts every single day. We appreciate you and your subscription, and if you're watching me on YouTube right now, thank you for subscribing. It means a ton to us. Make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode or go live, likely with me doing something stupid and food-related because we love and cherish all of you so very deeply. I am, of course, Scott Matla. I am solo hosting Locked On Canadians this week, while my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba, is on a much-deserved vacation in the south of France, which, you know what? I wish I was in the south of France. It was kind of cold in Buffalo today, but then it was really nice, and then I took the dog on a walk, and then I ingested 200 milligrams of caffeine, and then I cleaned the entire house. And speaking of cleaning the entire house, the Montreal Canadiens pretty much mopped the Bell Center clean with the Vancouver Canucks tonight. In case you're wondering how this game went, the puck dropped, the Canucks took a penalty, and got scored on all in the first 55 seconds of this game. That That's not an exaggeration. That is the time it took from the start of the game to the first goal, and the Canadians didn't look back after that point. Offensive powerhouse against – it's the Vancouver Canucks, admittedly, who are struggling very badly this year, but have offensive firepower to keep pace – Nothing could go right for them in this game. Nick Suzuki opens the scoring. Arbor Jacki gets one off of a potential interference play with Jonathan Duran and JT Miller. Bruce Boudreaux and JT Miller were not very happy, and they definitely were not happy when Kirby Doc made it 3 0. And I don't think they're going to be much happier when Mike Hoffman made it 4 0 in the second period. And then at that point, the Canadians just kind of shut it off. Effort-wise, anyways, I posted the uh, Corsi chart from our friends at Natural Stat Trick on Twitter. The third period, the Canadians didn't really try until the Canucks got within two goals due to some sloppy play that was part bad penalty calls and not keeping their feet moving and being a little bit lackadaisical with the puck. In the end of, the, of it all, Cole Caulfield hits Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers turns the puck over. Kirby Doc scores because Kirby Doc has been very, very good at that. 5-2, Canadians walk out of the Bell Center with a huge win and now prepare for the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. We will have a little bit of a game review of that in tomorrow's show, but I want to talk about this game as a whole. Kirby Doc continues to be such an incredible piece of this Canadian team, and I know a lot of us, myself included, were hoping he could be the second-line center piece right now, and he's not currently at this point. He is currently, though, a first-line right-winger with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, and that line continues to just absolutely torch teams. 
as my as our uh, friend of the show Ian Boisvert pointed out, Kirby Doc uh, getting originally Alexander Romanov traded out of Montreal for the 13th overall pick, and uh, with 98 and Alexander Romanov leaving was a really good bit of business. Would have been great if they left it at that. Trading that and 66 and ending up with Kirby Doc might end up being just as good because clearly Kirby Doc is an NHL player. There is not a waiting on this. Can you imagine this Canadians team right now if Kirby Doc was not playing on it? And I say this with all due respect and love in my heart for Josh Anderson. We would be doing the Josh Anderson on the top line thing again, and that just does not work in this system. As we've learned, Kirby Doc is the 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 uh, the grease that makes the wheels turn here. Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are great together, almost telepathically great together. Kirby Doc's playmaking and vision and not to mention his size and reach for winning puck battles and keeping plays alive has brought that line to another level. And I'm as I look at time on ice here, and I'm going to do that here in a second uh, as I bring this up, that's the Canucks. Canadians on ice at five on five. You're led by Jordan Harris, Joel Edmondson, Arbor Jacki, Jonathan Kovacevic. Ken Gooley was the least used defenseman in this game, and he barely played a little bit less uh, than David Savard. I continue to be really impressed with some of the effort that these young players are putting in. Sure, the counting stats aren't great, but in basically after the fourth goal, the Canadians' effort switch went, okay, let's get out of here, coast to the finish line here. No one needs to get hurt. No one needs to do anything stupid. So all their base counting numbers and basic advanced metrics do not look good. But that's in the third period where Montreal had – just under 26% of the shots on net in that they got uh, didn't really get outscoring chance. High danger chances were even yes. Vancouver had a little bit higher expected goals, but the Canadians didn't really seem to be in any danger. So of course that you're sitting back defending their numbers aren't going to look great. And if you're Vancouver, you can't look at this and go, well, all the possession numbers look great. It, it, this was not a close game at all. Vancouver got speed bag from the outset in this and they look like a team that just doesn't have an answer for anything. That first goal happened, and then they just seemed upset and off their game all night. Yes, I know they played last night. So did the Canadians, and they played Ottawa. The Canadians played Detroit. Detroit's currently a better team than the Ottawa Senators, and they came away with a win in the shootout. Longer thing, playing without two of their regular forwards, one due to suspension, one due to – no, two due to suspension. That's my fault, which, by the way, guys – Good work getting through a game with nobody getting suspended this time. I'm very proud of you all. Let's not do this again, shall we? Vancouver wasn't close in this, and they look like a team that I believe, I'm trying to think of who said this on Twitter. It was one of the Canucks beats that the Canadians are a team in rebuild, and they're out there speed bagging a Canucks team that's spent to the ceiling and doesn't look very good. And I'm suddenly very much reminded of the Montreal Canadiens last year. Were they supposed to be the best team? No. Were they supposed to potentially be a playoff team? Yeah, and then everything went wrong. The Canucks are in that spot right now, and you you don't want to be bad on accident. You do not want to be bad on accident when you are spending to the cap, especially with a coach who's suddenly on the hot seat despite coming in and doing such good things. The Canucks are... who. Not in a good spot. And a big shout out to this game. Also needs to go to Samuel Montembeau. 939 save percentage on the night. He continues to defy 
the whole expected goals against thing here. I got to say, I'm really impressed with what Samuel Montembeau continues to do for this Canadians team. It's not going to last forever. He's not going to be a 925, 930 goalie. But you know what? Uh, to quote uh, Steve Dangle and all them with Nikita Sostnikov, you're going to ride that wave while you can. This season's going to get worse at some point. I don't know when it's going to be. So I'm going to enjoy what I have right now. I'm not worried about the tank. I'm not worried about drafting in the top five when the top 10 is completely stacked in this upcoming draft. And they have multiple other first-round picks. I'm not worried about it. I am not going to worry about it. I'm going to just sit here and enjoy the Montreal Canadiens win. And we're going to shift gears here a little bit because we're going to talk prospects for the back half of this episode. And that's going to start with Team Canada, the World Juniors. Owen Beck, is he getting snubbed? We're going to find out in our next segment. But first, as always, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And they've got everything. The World Cup is coming up in the near future. Obviously, the NFL and NCAA football seasons are in full swing. Hockey is happening. NBA is back. NCAA basketball starting. And if you want something different, bet on MMA, bet on boxing. They have you covered. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today, that's betonline.net, or use your mobile device to get started. And remember, folks, BetOnline, it is where the game starts. All right, so not usually my biggest area of expertise. Just kidding. I, I just pretend to play a, an expert on the show when it comes to prospects. TSN dropped their Team Canada 2023 projected lineup. And I looked at this and I went, a lot of this makes sense. And a lot of it is, who knows? Uh, we haven't seen one for Team USA yet. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Slovakia. We, I can guarantee you at least Philip Mayshar will be there. It's unclear if Yuri Slavkovsky will go. I'm not opposed to letting him go to that. Let him represent his country. Let him get that confidence boost playing in his age group there a little bit. I'm not opposed to that at all. But we will have more discussion on that as rosters and everything are um released because world juniors is about a month and a half in a way but if they're starting to drop projected lineups and i see something i don't like i'm gonna talk about it with you because that is what they pay me for and i look at team canada's 2023 projected lineup i believe this is craig button and the folks over at tsn sports in net benjamin goudreau hello locked on sharks love you guys tyler brennan thomas millich okay i don't know anything about goalies the habs don't have any real good canadian goalies not gonna worry about it Defense, Kevin Korczynski, Ethan Del Mastro, Carson Lambos, Nolan Allen, Owen Zellweger, Carson Kuhlmans, and Denton Matechuk. I had some people ask me when I tweeted my thoughts about this originally, why is Logan Mayu not on this team? It's not that I don't think he might be on Hockey Canada's radar based on the way Hockey Canada picks teams. I look at some of the names on this, and I do not think he's able to produce or has produced at a level that is equal to this or has that same experience. That top pairing with Zellweger and Korchinski is very, very good. Kuhlmans is a very good player. Denton Maychuk, Carson Lambos is a devastating combination there. There's a lot of guys in front of him. Could he make it next year, potentially be still eligible? I don't see why not, but he's got a lot of proving to do to make that because Hockey Canada, obviously, very deep team there. Now is where we get to the fun part. These are the forward groups they have predicted that there are five lines here, 15 forwards, Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard, Logan Stankoven. Duh. Two of the top names in the NHL draft and a guy who is absolutely lighting the world up after the 21 draft and Logan Stankoven. 
Second one, Brendan Othman, Shane Wright, and Habs prospect Joshua Waugh. Shane Wright comes with a disclaimer if the NHL team releases him, and based on the way the Seattle Kraken have done things this year, who knows? They might just straight up say no and still keep him here. Like, I believe, oh, I want to say it was Mikhail Gregorenko who wasn't allowed to go. I might be wrong. There was a team that held a prospect, didn't let him go to World Juniors, despite the fact he wasn't playing, and it got real ugly. Third line, Zachary Bolduc, Zach Dean, Nathan Gaucher. Then line four, Riley Kidney. There we go. Zach Obstachuk, Chase Stillman. And then line four, Zachary Lahir, Wyatt Johnson, if the NHL team released him, the Dallas Stars. Dylan Genther, if the Arizona Coyotes release him. Both Johnston and Genther are likely to stay with their team. They have passed their nine-game tryout already. They are burning the first year of their entry-level deal. My whole thing with this, I see a few people on this team that I think Owen Beck is immediately better than, and that includes Chase Stillman, that includes Zach Dean, and that includes Bulldog right now. I think Owen Beck should be on this team, even if he's not in a major role, especially if they're, if Wright and Johnston can't go, you'd be a fool to not take Owen Beck on this team. And I get his, he doesn't have as big of a body of work. Last year was his first full OHL season. And this year he got off to a slow start. But I look at what Owen Beck is capable of in all three zones of the ice. And that is a guy that wins you clutch games. Yeah, you have Connor Bedard. You let Connor Bedard go do Connor Bedard things. Then you have Owen Beck there to pick up those tough minutes, to pick up those tough assignments and still be a potential producer there. That's a huge thing. And I really do think that depending on what the NHL teams do with Wright, Johnson, and Genther, whatnot, Owen Beck has to be real high on this list of guys that they've got to be looking to bring in here. And if he's not, if he gets snubbed at all, I don't I don't get it. The last time we saw a Canadian's prospect snubbed by the World Junior team, uh, Michael McNiven went on a tear that I haven't seen rivaled in OHL goaltenders in quite some time. Joshua Waugh and Riley Kidney were fantastic even coming off of World Juniors. I believe Wah was the last cut last year. I could be wrong, but he absolutely torched the queue. Him being in that role in the top six is a huge opportunity for him. And I do think Riley Kidney is going to be a big power play piece for them. It's nice to see that it's not one prospect per team. Team USA, you got to be looking at a guy like Lane Hudson. Absolutely have to be looking at a guy like Lane Hudson for Team USA. Slavkovsky and Mesha are going to be on... Uh, uh, team Slovakia there and who knows who else is going to be around I have to look at who's in this because I know COVID threw everything out of whack are we going to see Vincent's roar in this if I uh, if he makes the team he should I'm very interested to see what's happening here and I do think Owen Beck should be on this team already and this is not to just throw shade at Craig Button who I disagree with on a great many things but a differing of opinion is not a bad thing but I think to ignore what he's done so far would be a huge mistake. And yeah, Team Canada has an embarrassment of riches that they can often overcome. We've seen it at men's hockey levels. We've seen it at women's hockey levels all the way up to you know their Olympic teams, to their under-20 teams, their under-18 teams. They are not immune to making dumb mistakes that they could be avoiding. Owen Beck feels like one of those to me. I wouldn't recommend snubbing him. Yes, it's a best-on-best tournament. You want to score, score, score why not get you a guy who can do both? And I think Owen Beck is that guy. And of course I am admittedly Canadians biased, Canadians pilled, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Owen Beck should be on team Canada and him not being there would be hugely disappointing. I think just not only for Habs fans, 
but fans of Team Canada, as an American, great, cool. If you want to make your team worse, that's fine with me. Uh, but I'd like to see Owen back wearing the Maple Leaf uh, for them going forward. And folks, we are not done talking prospects today. A, lo- a great many of you have asked what's going on with the Rocket. Why is the record the way it is? And let me tell you, there's a lot of things going on in Laval that are good, some bad, somewhere in between. I'm going to break down what's happening with the Rocket and so much more, and that's all coming up next. We are back. It is the last segment of today's Lockdown Canadians. As you know, tomorrow is Thursday, which means we will be recording the mailbag episode. So if you want to send questions, send them to at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. I will do my best to get to all the questions. I am doing my best to balance everything as I am solo running the show tonight. We'll probably preview the Pittsburgh Penguins game on Saturday a little bit because the Penguins are beat up and hurt. Josh Anderson's coming off suspension. He's going to be looking to prove a point. We'll preview that, answer your questions, and so much more in that. But let's dive into our last segment of the show today. What's going on with the Laval Rocket? One game away from the Calder Cup Finals last year to struggling to put together consistent efforts this season. And I already want to kind of backtrack that statement as a whole. They've been consistent in their efforts. They haven't been consistent in their results. The last week in games against Toronto, they've been so extremely unlucky to have not put up five, six goals in some of these games, thanks to incredible goaltending, that their record could look a lot better than it does right now. Same with Lehigh Valley. They're coming back late. They haven't shown quit. They go down in a game and they still battle back and the effort is there. And that's, you know what? That's great because that's what you want to see out of this team. If they're quitting already, it reminds me of a few years ago when they had Phil Verone and um, I'm going to forget his name here, Riley Barber. And after a loss, Phil Veroni called it effing embarrassing. And like three days later, he and Riley Barber were traded out the door. And in came uh, Joe Blandese, Jake Lucini, and some other pieces. I think the Rocket have plenty of time to turn this around. The efforts there, they're putting up 30, 40 shots in the game without even really trying. They're dangerous looking. The young guys are playing well. And we will touch on some of those prospects here in a second. The goaltending has not been great. Admittedly, though, they're also getting hung out to dry in some of these situations or just getting purely unlucky with the way goals are going in. Kevin Poulin bounced back after kind of a rough start. He was the only reason the Rocket earned a point last Saturday against Lehigh Valley. He faced over 40 shots after a very rough first period and 21 shots aside in the third period where they all went no defense, all gas. And Caden Primo hasn't looked bad. It's just if the team's constantly defending, guys get tired Mistakes happen, pucks go in. Simple as that. He isn't looking as NHL ready as I had hoped after that playoff run. But the team in front of him hasn't played as cohesively as they did during that run either. But at the same time, I look at some of the pieces on this team that fans want to see playing well. Jesse Ullinen continues to be one of the best, most skilled players in the Canadians organization, not in the NHL. He can skate. He can dangle. He can shoot. He's doing everything you want from him in terms of development. He's not putting up a ton of points because the Rocket have never been a superstar-led team. They've always been a kind of a balanced approach, and he is part of that. He is their best power play weapon. It's not close. His slap shot is absolutely disgusting. 
And he's someone that I would like to see get a chance here in the NHL soon if there's more injuries or guys get traded or whatever that may be. He's the guy who should be at the top of the list. And right behind him should be Raphael Harvey-Pinard. Take Brendan Gallagher's efforts without all the penalty minutes and you have Raphael Harvey-Pinard. He, he wears that A proudly. There's a reason why they gave him a letter. He tries every single shift. He makes things happen. When big plays happen, you can almost always count that Raphael Harvey-Pinard is in the middle of that somewhere. Small in stature, big in heart. Someone I think Martin St. Louis would absolutely love on this team because he's all effort. Is he the most skilled guy? No, but he has plenty of skill to spare. Is he the fastest guy? No, but he doesn't quit on plays. Is he the hardest shooter? Is he the hardest hitter? No and no, but the effort's there to make things happen, which actually now leads me into the next guy. Xavier Simeno is going to drive so many players absolutely nuts over the course of his career. Hattie at Lockdown NHL Prospects talked him up all summer after they drafted him watching him play at the rookie tournament, watching him play in the preseason, and watching him play in the AHL this year. Dude's a bulldog. An absolute menace to society anytime he's around. He has taken on guys a foot taller than him on multiple occasions and come out none the worse for wear. He does not care who you are, how tough you are. He doesn't care. He will get in your grill. He will then score a goal on the next shift, and he will be right back in there the next shift he's out there. If you want a Brendan Gallagher replacement, Xavier Simeno is that guy. Absolutely tenacious. He gets to the net. He causes havoc. He's pure chaos around the net, and that's that's the key point that you want here is he makes – like Rafael Harvey-Pinard makes things happen, effort and skill – Xavier Simeno makes things happen with just pure spite in his body. He wants bad things to happen to you. He doesn't cross a line. He tiptoes right along there. He's not doing anything super illegal. Maybe a little poke there, a little poke here. But he's going to let you know he's there every single time. I can't wait for his first NHL game because someone's going to take a swing at him. Will he have deserved it? Who knows? But he's right in the right spot every single time. Uh, on defense, Nicholas Bodin, I think, has looked very strong in a couple of games I've, that he's played in so far. I need more time on that just to analyze how he's played. I haven't seen anything that's like, nope, bust, terrible player, no good. I think he's been just fine in the way that for what they need right now. And it's a solid trade to get a guy who I think is going to be an AHL regular or will be on the NHL call-up list sooner for a guy who was in the ECHL right now. And now Matthias Norlinder. Probably the most divisive prospect in the current AHL system right now. I like Norlinder a lot. I think he looks so much better than last year. Jean-Francois Houle is trusting him more than he did last year. He's out there in crucial situations. He's quarterbacking the power play. He's playing more five-on-five minutes. He still has his brain farts. He still has some of his mistakes. But I am seeing more and more of a Matthias Norlinder that I am sure and sure is an NHL player. Some of the points aren't there, but again, the Rocket are not a high-scoring team. They are not a team backed by one or two superstar scores like other teams or high-end flying prospects. But he's such a solid defenseman there. And Justin Barron has come out of his shell here a bit too. He looks a lot better than he did. 
and is just more confident in his abilities. And it's like we talked about with the Habs this year. If they're playing well with their young stars like we saw against the Canucks tonight and they lose this game 4-2, are we upset because, you know, Doc and Suzuki look great? No, not at all. It's kind of the same thought process I have with the Rocket right now. I do want them to win games. Winning games is important. But I look at Norlander play and I look at Olinden play and I look at Barron play and I look at Harvey Pinard and Simino play, et cetera. They're in everything. There are some vets helping out. Brandon Jignac, Gabriel Bork, Anthony Richard are all standouts right now. Alex Belzio is obviously injured. Would like to see more from Donick Martell. But when I see things happening, it's happening because young guys are making it happen. And that's what you want out of the team. And then Anthony Richard was brought in to be a scoring leader on this team as a veteran there. And I think he's someone they might give an NHL look to before too long if they need a fourth-line body who plays with energy. I w- I'm not worried about the Rocket quite yet. Yes, the Rock, their record is not where I want it to be, especially after the run they made last year. But it's early. There is time to turn it around. They're going to get bodies at some point as players become healthy. They're going to add another defenseman here because they have to. And if they trade bodies, they're likely going to fill up on guys that can go to the AHL here. I'm not too worried about them. Maybe in another couple of weeks, then I start worrying about it, but I don't think anything Jean-Francois Hould is doing is wrong. Shots are playing. Shots are going in well. The team seems to have the structure and everything. It's just they can't buy a goal, and they need a little bit of luck here and there. Rem Pitlick joins the team for the weekend games here. We're going to see you know, what he has. He was disappointed to be sent down, but he knows he has to earn his way back, and I think his skill set is just what this team can need, and we're going to see what he does. They played the the Utica Comets on or the Utica Devils, I should say. Comets, Devils. I can't remember if they switched it back or not. Doesn't matter. Their admin tweeted me things about cold coffee with one, so they're irrelevant. They play Friday night free on AHL TV, so please sign up. You can watch it there for free. Don't got to pay for anything. Check them out for yourself. I will happily answer any questions if I see them on Twitter, which if you have questions for our mailbag at LO underscore Canadians, you can tweet me at Scott Matla as well. Laura's on vacation, so I am not telling you to tweet her right now. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening to this wherever you got your daily podcast, thank you so much. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for subscribing. Please ring the bell. And when you are done checking us out, please check out Locked On Sports today. Same thing, wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, and so much more. And folks, I will see you next time.